And we'll bring the kids back in right before the baptism this, this uh, morning, just so you're aware and ready for them when they return. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is where we're going to be this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. like to announce that we have record attendance for this year. I'm very excited about what the Lord has for us uh, this year. We're going to be looking this morning at the topic of love first. Love first. Our theme is love thy neighbor and we'll talk about that in just a moment but let's read in 1 Corinthians 13. Starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave, behave itself unseemly, seeking not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Skip down with me to verse 13, not that the other verses aren't important, but we're going to skip them this morning. Verse 13 says, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's where we get the title for today's sermon, Love First. The greatest of these is charity. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look at what you have planned for us in this new year. And God, I pray that you would help us as uh, we have sought and seeked and uh, the correct terminology to love our neighbor all this last 2020. And Lord, many of the things that we had planned, we were unable to do, but Lord, you knew that was going to happen. And God, you still provided for us in many special ways. God, I pray that as we look forward now to this year, and we have events scheduled and we have programs scheduled, but Lord, we know that you are the one that provides the blessings. And God, I pray that you would help us to better love our neighbor this year. And God, I pray that today the verses that we look at will encourage us, will motivate us, will challenge us to do just that. Lord, help me to, pre to present these verses clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God gives us several commandments in scriptures, rules, guidelines, and principles to follow that show us how to live a life that God is pleased with and ultimately will lead us to a life of joy, a life of blessing, and eternal reward. Our theme verse is Matthew 29, 39, which is in a, uh, a series of verses following the question that Jesus is asked, and they say, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds to that by saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Then Christ continues, and he says, The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, meaning that all other commandments, all other instruction that God gives, 
cannot be accomplished without first loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and loving thy neighbor as thyself. The Greek uses multiple words for the English word love. In Matthew 22, love thy neighbor and love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. It uses the same Greek word as is used here for the word charity in 1 Corinthians 13. The agape love, or agape, agape it doesn't matter. Agape, they have multiple, multiple uh, you know, anyways. Agape love, meaning affection, benevolence, uh, social or moral love. And uh, it's a love that is unselfish. It's a concern with the goods of others. It's not based on emotion. It's not brought on by feelings. C.S. Lewis said, Agape love requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. In 1 John 4, verse 8, the Bible says God is love, and it uses that same Greek word, agape. God is love. He is our perfect example of selfless, sacrificial, committed, faithful love. When we're talking about loving our neighbor, we have to come to this a realization that the love that we need to have for our neighbor is the same love that we're supposed to have for God. It is also the same love that is that is uh, uh, illustrated for us by Jesus Christ. It is one that is a commitment. It is one that is sacrificial. It is one that is unfailing. It is faithful. In order for us to love our neighbor properly, we, it's a decision that we're going to make. Right? It's not, it's not based on emotion. So it's not like, well, I like that person. We were joking this morning. With, we should put on there, Sarah was joking, love thy nice neighbor. Um, only the ones that are nice. That's built on emotion, right? I like that person. There's something endearing about them, so I will love them. Uh, as, as someone who is, was once young uh, and, and uh, looking for a spouse, uh, for me, my priorities were very biblical. She needs to be pretty. Um, my mom needs to like her. I think that's biblical. Um, <laughs> different things like that. And, I mean, she settled for... Never mind. Uh, let's not go there. The love we have for our neighbor is not built on emotion. It's not because they are whatever, I will love them. No, it's because God said so, I'm going to commit myself to love my neighbor. It's going to be sacrificial. I'm going to have to give of myself, whether it be my time, whether it be the abilities that God has given me, whether it be financially, whether it be whatever. I'm going to have to sacrifice something in order to properly love my neighbors. It needs to be faithful. It needs to be enduring. It needs to be consistent. That is how we biblically love our neighbor. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we see here uh, the, the chapter dedicated to love, to charity. It's the same word in the Greek, agape. And so we see here these things are given to us. And a couple of things I want us to see this morning. Number one, to love our neighbor, we must be. And I'm going to give you a list. To love our neighbor, we must be. Number one, we must be long-suffering. Long-suffering, patient, not holding grudges. Christ is, again, the perfect example of all of these things. A long-suffering love, a patient love. How do I know that? Because God still loves me. If He wasn't patient, if He wasn't long-suffering, 
if he held a grudge, I'd have some major, major issues. How often do we have friends that we grow up with that we don't talk to for years and years and years because they did something or they said something or because you did something or because you said something? There's just no, it's not to say that they hate you, but there's just no love there anymore. We see it all the time. It's not patient. As spouses, oftentimes we've, uh, you've heard people who get divorced and they say, well, I just fell out of love. You see, God doesn't fall out of love with us because he's long-suffering. And for us to love our neighbor, we're going to have to be that as well. We're going to have to be long-suffering. We're going to have to be kind, thoughtful. I'm getting all this, by the way, from the passage we read. Verse number 4, charity suffereth long, long-suffering, and is kind. It's thoughtful. I'm so thankful for a church that is kind and thoughtful. People who constantly ask, hey, would it be okay if we did this for so-and-so? Is it okay if we pitch in this way? Is it okay if we do this? Always thinking of ways to love people. That is what agape love is. It is kind. It also suppresses envy or is genuine. It's genuine. It's not fake. Have you ever met someone who is fake? Um, I grew up in a, in a church that had a college group come during the summer, and they have a lot of the Christian colleges will have music groups that travel around the country to promote the college throughout the summer months, and so they'll come in and they'll sing some songs and somebody will preach, and, and uh, sometimes they do other things, but uh, they go around, and the, the main purpose is to promote their college, um, but, uh, but it's always fun to have in. And we always joke there was one college that would come through, and everything about their presentation just seemed fake. It's not to say that the people were bad or the college was bad, but they were taught to do a certain, certain way. So when you're on the platform and if you're holding the microphone, you hold it up, up high like this, and you're always see that big old cheesy grin on your face. And uh, they would usually sing a song, and then like in the middle of the song, the piano would keep playing as an up-tempo song. The piano would keep playing, and the group would introduce themselves. And uh, so you'd have the first, first person that, Hi, I'm Michael. I'm from so-and-so place, and I'm a sophomore, and I'm studying to be a whatever. And uh, they would get done. And my favorite food is whatever. I don't know. They did something. And the next person, hi, I'm Rachel. And, I'm, and they would just go through, and they would do this big introduction with these big old cheesy grins on their faces. And, uh, and then they would sing their songs and everything like that. So we always joked about how fake it was. And you always thought if you went to their college, you guarantee they wouldn't be smiling that big. They probably weren't that nice. Um, I don't know, James, were they? Um, and <laughs> uh, you always wondered, you know, this is not real. And you could tell it's not, it's not to say that they weren't happy. It's not to say they weren't nice. But in that moment, you just said it's just, it, wasn't, it wasn't genuine. Oftentimes we try to, to love our neighbor because we're supposed to, but it's not genuine. It's not heartfelt. And agape love, a, a, to love your neighbor, it's going to have to be genuine. It's going to have to suppress envy. Because oftentimes we get envious of someone else. They pull in and you go, boy, I'd like to have that kind of car. Boy, I'd like to have that kind of hair. Boy, I'd like to have that kind of whatever. And because there's something about them that we just kind of don't like or that we kind of get envious about, we're not genuinely loving them. And as the Bible says there, in verse number 4, it envieth not. It says that charity vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up, 
Uh, love has to be empty of pride and selfishness. Not overshadowing the one we supposedly love. Sometimes we are so prideful about the way that we love someone that we're not actually loving them. We're loving the way that we're loving them. To love our neighbor, we have to be long-suffering, kind, suppress envy, empty of pride and selfishness. Number five, we have to be decent. We have to be proper. We have to be pure. It says in verse five, doth not behave itself unseemly. A proper and pure love, a righteous love, loving correctly. It must be calm, restrained, uh, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. It's restrained love and understanding that, you know, maybe they do something that we don't like, maybe they do something we don't agree with. Whatever it is, it's 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 not just stirred up easily where we all of a sudden we are, we are not loving them anymore. It, it is calm. It thinks no evil. It's not suspicious. It gives the benefit of the doubt. People walk through the door and sometimes, and I get it, there's, there's scary things that have gone on in our world, and so sometimes we all look at someone new that comes to the door and we think, okay, what's the fastest way to the exit? If they do something that I don't like, how can I... Manage my way through the pews to get to them. A godly love and agape love thinks no evil, not suspicious. The first thought shouldn't be is, why are they here? The first shot, thought should be, I'm so glad that they're here. How can I love them? A godly love and agape love, a way to love our neighbor, it rejoices over victory and not defeat. It's excited when people gain victory, never rejoices in the failures of other people. There are people in this world that we don't like, and we uh, get to the point where we want them to fail. I've seen this in Christianity, and it's so sad. In the business world, it's cutthroat, right? Everybody's trying to get to the top. So they want the other person at the head of them in line to fail so they can move up a spot. In Christianity, sometimes we see someone who gains spiritual victory, and the first thought we have is it won't last. First thing we think is, is it's not real. And instead of loving them and rejoicing in their victory, we, we wait for them to fail and we go, huh, I told you. That's not love. It's not Christian. That's not godly. It's not good. Love covers the stink. That's a real biblical term for you. Covers the stink. Uh, look in verse number 6. Rejoices not in iniquity. We just covered that. But rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Uh, here is what we're talking about in covering the stink. You know what? Uh, we all sin, right? We all, we, all, we all do. We shouldn't. We should strive not to. When we fail, we should go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. We should repent of it, turn from it, and do right. You know, if you're going to love someone biblically, you have to understand they're going to stink spiritually. It's not to say, now when I say cover the stink, I don't mean ignore it. I don't mean sweep it under the rug. But I mean, you love them anyways. We should never hide sin. We should never accept sin. But we ought to love people who sin. 
Why? Because God loves me. Even though I'm a sinner, the Bible says that even though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He still gave himself for me. He still sacrificed for me. Why? Because he agapes me. You see, to love our neighbor, even in their, their wickedness, we ought to still love them. There are times where we have to distance ourselves from someone because of something that they do. Um, there are things in life that, you know, it's, just, it's not wise for someone to be around. Maybe it's someone who at one time struggled with, with alcohol or with uh, smoking or with whatever, and if they're around other people who are doing those things they used to struggle with, they've got to separate themselves from those people or else it could draw them back in, right? So it's wise and smart to do those things. And that's not hateful, by the way. That's just wise. But it doesn't mean that we stop loving those who do wrong. And, whatever, and I, used, I used two examples, but there's so many more things than that. And so we have to be wise about it, but that doesn't mean we don't love them. You know, in today's day and age, you can call them without sitting in a bar with them. You can, you can FaceTime them or there are all kinds of different, text them, send a letter still if you want to. There are all kinds of different ways to communicate with them and, and love them, pray for them. All of those sorts of things, just because someone is doing something that they shouldn't doesn't mean that we, we don't love them. Because God, again, is our perfect example in that as well. Love never stops. Charity never faileth, it says in verse number 8. It says whether there be prophecies and uh, tongues and knowledge, all of it will vanish away, but love never fails. Love never stops. Where have you heard the idea that it is faithful? You've heard it from God. God is faithful. Never leaves us or forsakes us. He never stops loving us. He gets, uh, if I can use the word, disappointed by us when we fail, when we abandon him, when we reject him. He's hurt by that. He's not pleased by it. But he never stops loving. And in order for us to love our neighbor, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter how they vote, no matter what color car they drive, no matter what make and model of car they drive, no matter who they cheer for, no matter any of those things, our love for them should never fail. It is the smallest of things that can turn us uh, into a bitter person. Isn't it? If you have literal neighbors, you understand this. The dog barks all the time. The grass isn't kept the way you want it to be kept. They cook bad-smelling food. They have chickens. Whatever it is, there's something that can make you go, I don't like that person. I want them to stop doing this or start doing this or whatever it may be. And, and here we sit, next thing you know is we're in our living room stewing over something silly. God says the way that you're supposed to love your neighbor is an agape love. And agape love never fails. It never stops. It is faithful. To love our neighbor, we must be long-suffering, kind, 
suppress envy, empty of pride, decent, calm, thinking no evil, rejoicing over victory and not defeat, cover the stink and never stop. Number two today, loving our neighbor leads to accomplished goals. Loving your neighbor will lead to you accomplishing goals and our church accomplishing its goal. Verse number three says, and though I bestow all, the, uh, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can feed thousands of children without loving them. You can provide water to thousands of people who don't have it without loving them. You can provide shoes to thousands of homeless people without loving them. Without love, it is profiting nothing. Our goal for our church is to accomplish the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can't do it on our own. That's why we support missionaries. We send them out or support them so that they can go and reach other parts of the world that we can't get to personally. We have a long way to go. Where we're really not that close yet on accomplishing this. We work alongside of other churches to do the same that are like-minded and working to do the same thing of, of, of accomplish the Great Commission. But without love, without agape love, without loving our neighbor and without loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, we will not accomplish these goals. Every event, every guest preacher, every program, everything we do at this church should start by loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Otherwise, it'll be empty. Otherwise, it'll accomplish nothing. We've got some events that I'm really excited about this year, um, even kind of growing from what we were planning on doing next year to doing it bigger and better this year uh, because we're more prepared for it. We have the place to do it, uh, those kinds of things. It doesn't matter. We can have a full auditorium. We can have thousands of people come out for the kids' extravaganza or the family extravaganza. We can uh, have a, a few hundred pastors come for a pastor's conference. We can have all these things happen and still accomplish nothing. We never give glory. We ought not, and we, we seek very hard to never give glory to a program or an event, but to God. And you see, we have this motto of love thy neighbor. We've had it for the last 12 months. And we're going to have it for the next 12 months. And we can do things to show love to our neighbors and still not love neighbors. Have you ever been the person or met the person who when they see someone walk by or walk into the church or whatever and the first mindset is, oh, they need Jesus. <laughs> Listen, there's a way to say they need Jesus and love them and there's a way to say they need Jesus and not love them. Right? Everyone needs Jesus. When they walk in the door and our first thought is, I don't need Jesus, they need Jesus. You ever met the person I have? I've preached a lot of messages in my life. Uh, who they said, oh, they needed that sermon. <laughs> I say it every week. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. They, they needed that sermon. Oh, I'm glad he preached on that topic because they really needed that. In our previous church, we had a lot of family members in the church, a lot of people who were related. 
You could tell when they were mad at each other because one of them would move seats that was on the other side of the auditorium. I've been told, Pastor, I'm glad you preached on that. They really needed that. Listen, I understand that not everything that I say is going to be something that you desperately need. But I'll tell you what, you desperately need Jesus. Amen. If we're going to love people properly, or, or if we're going to accomplish the goals that we set as a church, if you're going to accomplish the goals you set as an individual or for your family, it's got to start with loving the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, and mind and loving your neighbor as yourself. Without it, it's all going to be for nothing. Everything you do is going to be vanity. It's going to be empty. Verse 2 closes the verse by talking about, even if I have all faith that I can move mountains and I have not charity, I'm nothing. I can accomplish great things in my life that the world would look at and go, boy, that is phenomenal. Yet if I don't have agape love, I'm nothing. Number one, if we're going to love our neighbor, we must be all of the things that we mentioned. Number two, loving our neighbor leads to accomplished goals. Listen, we have in everything that we have planned, from the speakers we have coming through, the missionaries we have coming through, to the pastor's conference, to the, the kids' events, to the family events, to the whatever else is on the schedule. It's listed there, and it's put in there for a purpose to accomplish a goal that our church would be what Christ wants it to be, that we follow the Bible's pathway for our church, and that we love our neighbor the way that God wants us to love our neighbor. We can do nothing this year successfully in God's eyes without first loving God and loving our neighbor. Number three, Loving our neighbor is important according to God. Loving our neighbor is important according to God. In verse 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Back in Matthew 29, verse 39, the Bible says, Love thy neighbor as thyself. And it says these two commandments, loving, the God, loving thy God and loving thy neighbor, these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's important according to God. Faith moves mountains. Hope is the confidence in the God that we serve, yet love is the starting point. Listen, we're supposed to have faith, right? Yes, we are. And God says faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. That's, that's pretty important. That's pretty big. I've talked about it before, and that makes me wonder sometimes how small my faith is. If, if, if Faith this size can move mountains, and my faith ain't moving nothing. But faith can move mountains. Hope mentioned here in the Bible, like I said, is confidence. It's not what we think of today as, I hope this happens. It's confidence. I have hope that God will do what he says he will do. And although faith and hope are important and crucial, it says the greatest of these is charity. It's love. It's agape love. The sacrificial, committed, faithful love. It's the starting point. It's the greatest commandment to love God. And the second commandment is like unto it, very similar. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Loving our neighbor is important. Sometimes I fear that the church... I'm speaking in generality, not just our church, the, the churches. We get so caught up in the 
religious action like the Pharisees. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this many steps. I can't do this on this day. I can't do that on this day. I can't do this and this and this. And I have to do this and this and this. And we, we kind of set up those rules and that checklist. And listen, maybe you need a checklist to help you get in the habit. And that's fine. Sometimes we get so caught up on, on looking the part that we're not being the part. And appearances are important. It's what the world sees us by. But in order for us to be what God wants us to be, we have to love people and we have to love God the way that God says to. You see, loving our neighbor is important. It seems like it's getting harder. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my issues, not everybody else's. But it seems like it's getting harder to love our neighbors. It seems like nowadays we disagree more, or at least we can vocalize it more so we feel like we disagree more. We've always disagreed as much, just now we know that we disagree. It's funny, in, a, in the political year that we've had, not only have I disagreed with people who voted differently than me, I've disagreed with people who voted the same as me. I've been talked to about that, uh, not by anyone in this building, but I've been talked to about that. I can't believe you would say that. Oh, you mean the truth? Um, wow, okay. Um, yeah, I've, been, I've been ridiculed or criticized or uh, just scolded for saying something that I know to be true and, and it is what it is and all of a sudden I realize well we, we voted the same we just disagree on some things still and you know I think of uh, I'm a big sports fan and, and I'm thankful that I've matured to the point where I don't get as emotional about sports as I used to but someone says something mean about your sports team I've been scolded about that recently as well uh, but nonetheless it's like why do we have to be so mean to each other You know, there are things that are important and things that are unimportant, but yet still there are times that we can make the mistake and do something incorrectly that, that's not showing love to our neighbor. Loving our neighbor is crucial to accomplishing the goals that God desires for us this year. In order to love our neighbor, we have to be long-suffering and we have to be kind. We have to be genuine. We have to be selfless. We have to be decent. We have to be calm. We have to think no evil. We have to rejoice over victory. We have to cover the stink. We can't stop. They're going to give us reasons to stop, just like we've given God reasons to stop. But God's not going to stop, are we? This year, I, I was fearful. I prayed about the theme this year, actually, was going to change it, and uh, my graphics guy never got back with me, and so I prayed about it some more, and the Lord said, you just keep what you got. Let's accomplish the things that we've set in place. My fear is that we kind of get tired or ignore the, what we've seen on the wall for months and months and months, and we just go, oh, we'll just keep on going on. And agape love is committed love which means you have to make the commitment that you're going to do it. It's a sacrificial love. It's an understanding because you can't make that commitment if you don't know that you're going to be sacrificing. Sacrificing is not easy. It's a giving up of something. It's a 
setting aside what I want or what I need so that someone else can have what they want or what they need. It's a choice you're going to have to make. I'm going to love my neighbor. Well, what about the one that did this to me? Yep. And again, I just bring it right back to the simple point of, okay, well, anything that you've not done to God, you can do to your neighbor when they do that to you. Anything that, that God has not loved you for, you don't have to love your neighbor for. And if you'll think of it that way, it'll make it a lot easier to love your neighbor. Remember the kid that uh, uh, shared or did not share their candy? The brother or sister comes up and says, can I have one? I said, no, it's mine. Two weeks later, the one that didn't share comes to the other one and says, can I have that? And the mom goes, you didn't share with them. They don't have to share with you. See, oftentimes we go, I don't have to love them. Okay. But uh, God loves you. God loves you. You do have to love them. But they were so mean. Yes, so were you. In most cases, when one person dislikes another person, they've both done something. Not always, but in most cases. You're not perfect. You know that. You're not perfect. And maybe you didn't have a mistake with them, but you've messed up with someone else. So just throw it all out the window and understand that, hey, God loves me in spite of me. I need to love my neighbor in spite of them. This year, would you make the commitment? This year, would you sacrifice? This year, would you be faithful? And would you pray that us as a church, as a unit, together, would do the same? To love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, I pray for your help. We can't do this without you. And God, you are our example. You have loved us in spite of us. And God, you have been faithful. You have been committed. You have been sacrificial. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Give us what we need to do the same. God, we have goals in this church we have a desire we have events that we want to do to help our community we have things we want to do to help our church lord i pray that you would help us to accomplish those things but god you tell us that without love we're nothing without love it's all for nothing so god i pray that we would start by loving the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind and then lord that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, so that we can accomplish what you want us to accomplish, so that we can be what you want us to be. But God, we need you to do it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. First, I want to ask you this. If you can say this morning, preacher, all, all eyes are closed. Preacher, I'm thankful that God loved me. I'm thankful that I understood that God loved me and that he sent his son to die for me. And I know that if I were to die today, I know without a doubt that if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. And I rejoice in that. Would you just slip your hand up in the air, stick it up, and stick it back down. Secondly, I want to ask you this, if you would say this morning, uh, Preacher, it's hard for me to love the Lord uh, with all my heart, soul, and mind, because honestly, I've yet to understand fully His love for me. I've yet to accept fully His love for me. Never placed my faith in Him, my trust in Him that that when I die on this earth, that he would take me to heaven. I don't know that I would go to heaven if I were to die. 
you'd say, Pastor, don't, don't embarrass me, but if you wouldn't mind praying for me, I'd sure appreciate it. Would you just stick your hand up in the air, and as soon as you do, you can slip it back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Pastor, don't embarrass me, but I wouldn't mind you praying for me. I don't know that I'd go to heaven if I were to die today. Slip it up or slip it back down. Last question. You'd say this morning, Pastor, this is, this is one of those pastor questions that... Um, we know it's going to be a big response, but I'm going to ask you to be genuine with it. Pastor, this morning, I'm committing to love my neighbor the way that God wants me to love my neighbor. I haven't always done it perfectly. I haven't always done it right, but I am committing today, and I need to commit again tomorrow, but I'm committing today to love my neighbor as God desires for me to do. Would you slip your hand up and slip it back down? Thank you. Whenever I look this way, in a moment, we're going to pray. After we pray, I'm going to ask you to stand. After we stand, we're going to open the invitation, which just simply means it's a time for you to do business with God, with what God has spoken to you about this morning. I'm going to come down to the front of the auditorium this morning as we do the invitation, and I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to come, if you need someone to pray with, if you say, I don't know that I'm saved, I don't know that I'm going to heaven, I'd like some answers. We can have someone talk with you this morning and show you from the Bible how you can know. So I'd ask that you just come to the front and say just that. Pastor, I, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. This morning, maybe you've made the decision, I'm committing. I know there's areas in my life that I haven't done right with. I'm getting that right with God, and I'm committing to move forward to love my neighbor. You can stay at your seat and pray and commit that to God. You can come to the front and pray. This morning, I want you to do business with God. Take care of it right now. can't make you. I can only encourage you. Maybe you can say, well, I don't know if I want to do that right now. That's, that's your decision, not mine. But I encourage you this morning. Take care of what God has spoken to you about this morning. Let's go ahead and stand, and we'll pray. Lord, help us this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to do what you want us to do. God, that we would be exactly what you want us to be.